Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The World Cricket Show is proudly supported by Newbury Cricket, quality bat makers since 1919. It was the night before Christmas and all through the house. Oh, stop it, stop it. We're sorry, the number you have dialed is not in service at this time. Hello and a very jolly welcome to this World Cricket Show Christmas special. My name is Adam Bayfield and I'm pulling the sleigh tonight. And in the seat behind me is the big man himself, spreading Christmas cheer all over whomsoever he meets. With a broad face and a little round belly that shakes when he laughs like a bowl full of jelly, it's jolly old Tony Kerr. Did you write all of that? Uh, well, the bowl full of jelly bit comes from the night before Christmas. It's just plagiarism, basically. I mean, if you want to call it that, then um, you can have a word with my lawyers. Yeah. Like most of your cricketing opinions, borrowed from me, stuff I said earlier in the week. It's really escalated, actually, <laughs> over the years to the point that I just have a team of lawyers here permanently. It's expensive as well. <laughs> just on a permanent retainer. But, you know, it's essential. Exactly, you can't put a price on your freedom. Freedom? Well, you think I might go to jail? I think so, it could be that bad. <laughs> for, for stealing some of your opinions. So what's going on? What's the latest? Uh, the latest is it's Christmas. That's pretty much where I'm at at the moment. Are you, are, you, uh, are you excited about Christmas? Are you pumped up for this, Tane? Another World Cricket Show Christmas special rolls around. It's always a high point. Is this the in, Christmas special? The, this is the Christmas oh, special. Right, you didn't tell me that. Well, I, it was in the intro if you'd been listening. It's, uh, it's always a high point in the calendar isn't it? It just doesn't really feel like Christmas until you've listened to the World Cricket Show Christmas special. It's a bit like, you know, Morecambe and Wise in the 70s. Yeah. Up and down the land, families are kind of gathering around their Alexas and <laughs> phone speakers to listen to a couple of nitwits ramble on about cricket. It's really heartwarming stuff, isn't it? It really binds the nation in these difficult times these as well. These troubled times. It could just be what we need to get through, <laughs> well, the next few days, really. Teresa, if you're listening, I'd, yeah, that would be. I'd love the, <laughs> the image of Teresa May, just like running a bath, pulls up at wherever she was in Brussels the other day, and yeah. just door opens. You just hear you going, "Hello!" <laughs> got a got a phone hooked up to the Bluetooth. I mean, it might explain a lot if she's listening to the World Cricket Show rather than you know doing something more constructive. It would be the ultimate sort of burying the head in the sand manoeuvre, wouldn't it? Just put the World Cricket Show on. But then we'd get in trouble, Tim. We'd be hauled across the uh, the cobbles. We'd be splashed across the front pages if it turned out Theresa May, instead of negotiating Brexit, had just been listening to the World Cricket Show. I take it. Good publicity, yeah. that. <laughs> it would be brilliant publicity. Anything for fame, that's what you're saying, isn't it? Well, yeah, so we are going to be talking about cricket tonight. We have got a lot of cricket to talk about. We've had a cracking test match in, in Adelaide between Australia and India. So we'll be having a bit of chat about that and also the dramatic conclusion to a test match in the UAE between Pakistan 
and New Zealand. Probably talk a bit about England as well, Tony. You said you've got some observations to make about the T10 league that's been going on as well. You've got some observational comedy to uh, to favour us with about that. Is that's, that right? I think that's putting it in maybe too firm a term, I think. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Some light observations. Some that, light, that light might, comedy. Yeah, that, that might total sort of 45 seconds to a minute. So just get <laughs> you, ready for that. You've got a minute of material. Do you ever notice in T10 that all of that's to look forward to, I suppose? Here's a question for you, Tone. How Christmassy are you feeling this year? <laughs> uh, getting there. I, yeah, we had our Christmas do at work the other day. I, I suppose that's a big milestone, isn't it? Yeah. So, yeah, so feeling, Just, I suppose, moderately Christmassy. Mm. I mean, we've never had a, a World Creature Show Christmas do. I feel like, you know, now, you know, there's sort of 10 of you with the lawyers and stuff. We could, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a decent party. That's true, actually. Before it seemed a bit indulgent, yeah, to book out a high-end restaurant just for the two of us. But you know, I'm paying over the odds for the lawyers already. I'm paying hand over fist. What's another few grand? Are you feeling? You know, I mean, you've got uh, there's a polar bear wearing sunglasses on on your chest. Uh, oh yeah, it's it's a, a Christmas jumper of sorts. I sorry, I saw you wearing that in June, but. I was already excited in June. I mean, it's uh, well, it's like almost sort of, sort of like a, a hall of mirrors situation because i'm wearing a christmas jumper of a polar bear who's wearing a christmas jumper and it looks like one of those kind of it's like a tactile one as well it is yeah i'm not going to come across it's, and touch it but it's soft yeah, and you're, no you can if you want to see there you go it's lovely isn't it yeah very nice that. very yeah. nice very soft should we get stuck into yeah it then, let's talk cricket you've run out of material also uh, we've had a couple of pieces of correspondence in in the last week uh kind of flagging up that we've kind of had we've been having the same conversations for about 10 years now uh which is possibly true slash is true i'm just worried about what i previously said about christmas as to whether i'm just going to be repeating myself well i'm sure that i'm sure that is true i think we may have had that exact same exchange on last year's Christmas special, just everything we've said up till now on this episode, I think we said on the previous Christmas special. This is because we got an email from a listener by the name of Ben Bishop, who wrote in to say, I may have missed it in the last couple of episodes, but have you done your semi-regular regret over not having travelled to Sri Lanka for cricket segment? The earliest version I can think of is from the 2012 T20, when you regretted not having followed through on your 2010 plans to attend the tournament. Brackets, episode 159. This is forensic detail, isn't it? This is uh, very much a... My team of lawyers couldn't have uh, couldn't have delivered something as uh, as detailed as this. And it makes me a bit nervous when people start quoting the, yeah. quoting the episode number. Hansard. Um, I think it happened again for the 2014 tour. Brackets, it also happens every time there's a test at Newlands, sunny South Africa during the British winter. So, I mean, this is true, isn't it? <laughs> like now that I think about it, we do all the time go, why are we not there? We should have gone. And yeah, funnily enough, we did have that exact conversation about Sri Lanka didn't we, on this tour that we should have gone. So yeah, we're both kind of nervous now that we just do the same bits over and over again. Yeah, we need some real topical stuff. What's topical about this Christmas? Brexit. That's well, we different. Did some Brexit, Brexit yeah, stuff, that's yeah. good. That's yeah, good. That's good. That is really good. I bet we weren't talking about Brexit in 2014. No, but we probably were talking about it in 2016. Yeah, true. And 17. Well, maybe we'll need someone new to come in and shake things up, Tone. What do you reckon? You threatened to bring in David Gower. Yeah, true. That might be exactly what we need. A reboot. Or, you know, I mean, we could bring in Michael Vaughan. He's got some uh, choice uh, choice thoughts at the moment on the uh, the leadership style at the top of the uh, you know, top of government. He really seems to know what he's talking about, Vaughan, <laughs> doesn't he? Um, so that would be good. 
You can almost see it now, Michael Vaughan's Brexit Britain podcast. <laughs> oh, God. Don't. Don't give him ideas. Theresa May probably would listen to that. All right, let's get going, Tony. You ready to create some content? Yeah. Let's kick things off down under where the Australian summer is now well and truly underway. The marquee test series against world number ones India got going this week in Adelaide. And it was a pretty fascinating game. India winning the toss, batting first. They made 250, thanks in very large part to Chiteshwar Pajara, uh, who struck a, a quite astonishing century, 123. Um, wickets shared around with three for Josh Hazelwood Australia would have probably felt they were on top at that point 250 not a mammoth first inning score uh, but they were in trouble straight away and they were 127 for six at one point they did recover a little bit thanks to Travis Head who made 72 dragging them up to 235 wickets again spread around for the Indian bowlers with three apiece for, for Bumrah and Ashwin so a deficit of only 15 it was very much even Stevens at that point uh, but Pajara with runs again, he made 71 and Rahani with 70. India batted well to make 307. Uh, Nathan Lyon taking six wickets. And that set Australia a target of 323, which is always going to be very stiff. It's a steep chase, but they would have probably fancied themselves, or at least it seemed that you know there was a decent chance uh, that they could have a go. But when they were reduced to 84 for four and then 187 for seven, it looked a very long way away. There were some runs from the tail uh, made things interesting. Come in Stark and Nathan Lyon with 38 not out. But it never really looked like they were going to get there and they did end up falling short by 31 runs. Wickets again for Ashwin, Bumrah and Mohamed Shami. So that gave India a remarkable win, a first test win in Australia for 11 years uh, after a, a couple of dispiriting tours uh, in the interim in, in 2011. And 2014 lost the first of those 4-0, the second 2-0. Although they, they have now gone three tests unbeaten in Australia, having drawn the, the final two tests in, in, in 2014. So how about this then, Tony? This was another very entertaining test match. We've had quite a few of these recently, haven't we? But a famous victory for India. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I mean, as, as you mentioned, obviously pretty rare uh, for India uh, to win a test. Well, I mean, ever really, but, you know, to, to start the series like that will be really encouraging. Really good match for Australia. Obviously, so much chat going into it. It being the first test at home since Bancroft and uh, and Warner and Smith and, and all that jazz. All the chat and the build-up about kind of how Australia were going to play or what kind of cricket they should play. But actually, particularly that first morning, you know, it was a real feel-good kind of vibe. Obviously, Australia made a, a really good start. Kawaja's catch to get rid of Kohli was just unbelievably good uh, and a wonderful moment and actually then you know towards the end of the test uh good graph from australia to to get close i mean you know it was in the balance for sure even though it was probably one of those it was just like a sort of indiana jones kind of hat you know just slightly out of reach so yeah i thought kind of both sides can be pretty pleased with what they produce there and for the rest of the series it looks looks pretty exciting yeah, definitely. It was just it was just a very good test match from start to finish, as 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 you say, as as I said as well. Um, it probably, <laughs> as I said, <laughs> as I've already said, as, as I said first. Um, you know, probably Australia. It, it never really seemed like Australia were going to get there, but it, it was at least the the test was alive all the way until the end, wasn't it? There was at least the possibility that something extraordinary might happen. So, yeah, a very 
entertaining test, but yeah, a, a historic win for India. And it, you know, as you say, it sets up the series well. It, it sets up India with a very decent chance of of winning a series in Australia, which they've never done. And as you say, they you know they they had to dig deep because Australia got off to a really good start on that first morning. India were fifty six for four at lunch on the first day, and yeah, Australia pushing them all the way in the fourth innings. And and I don't think it can be underestimated just what an achievement this is because I suppose on the one hand you say well India are the number one side in the world and then you look at Australia and say they're without their well I was going to say two best players but certainly their two best batsmen in, in Steve Smith and, and David Warner for, for well documented reasons and that is a big loss and it you know has to be taken into account but this is still the same Australian bowling attack that tore England to shreds last year and you know, we were talking about Stark Cummins Hazelwood as being one of the best fast bowling trios you know I don't want to say ever, but certainly in the last decade or more. So it's no mean feat for India to to take them on at home and beat them. Were you surprised by this result? Were you surprised by India winning, or, or was this a performance that was coming? You know, what, what kind of chance were you giving India coming into this series? Yeah, obviously, in the English summer they lost four one to England, but was their performance in that series actually a little bit better? You know, we talked about this at the time. Yeah, it was actually a little we, bit better than that suggested. I think we said at the time that that was a series that kind of uh, it, 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 the whole way along felt like it could kind of go. All the moments could go either way. The majority went England's. That's not to say that England didn't deserve to win the series in the summer, but certainly, yeah, what India did there, they should have taken. Yeah, they 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 could feel maybe it was a little unjust the result. Yeah, and this is a really good tussle, and for India to. Well, I would have certainly put India as favourites, I think, going into this this match. Yeah, you'd have had them down as favourites. <laughs> Easy to say now, you know, <laughs> uh, before we... Uh, before we but, but, but possibly slightly favourite. You know, you look at the Australian team, it's just, as a batting lineup. you know, it's not that impressive. So we'll see what happens in the rest of the series, but you, you wouldn't expect... Uh, you're not going to expect Australia to, to put on mountains of runs in their summer against India... Yeah, India bowled really well in England as well, so you know they're not going to be uh, they're not going to be short in that department, I don't think. And then you know the flip side, Kohli coming to this. I know he didn't do the damage here, but after proving himself, not that he needed to possibly, but uh, to us English in England, and then yeah, Pajara, the quality he showed to win this Test match. There, there, the yeah, I, I, India should be proud, and it's a, it's a great moment for them. But it, for me, I would have expected this going into mm. that yeah to this Test. Yeah, I, I, well, it's certainly true that the Australian batting lineup is is nothing to write home about, and so, yeah, in one sense, in a, if you just kind of look at things in a vacuum, it, it shouldn't be a surprise that they've struggled against this Indian bowling attack. I mean, the, the, I suppose what's you know the the asset that India have now, or what's different about this India team than the India team that came four years ago, or or eight years or seven years ago, is the bowling, isn't it? Is that they've now got a seam bowling attack that is one of the best units in the world in Bumrah and Ishan Sharma and Mohammed Shami. I mean, Shami, again, he's so kind of unsung, Mohammed Shami, but just that nagging line and length. He should have taken way more wickets in England than he did and must be a real handful to face. And yeah, Ishan um, bouncing out, I, I can't remember now who it was, was it um, Aaron Finch in the second innings? Like a real kind of nasty bouncer. Ishan actually uh, was playing when India won that previous time in Australia in 2008. You know, it's easy to forget how long he's been around Ishan Sharma. He's always sort of threatened to become a really good bowler and it's not quite happened. But maybe it's happening now. Um, by the way, I was looking at that lineup for that, that 
test that India won in 2008. I'll give you a thousand pounds, Tone, if you can name that India team from one to 11 in order. <laughs> oh, God. I'll give 2008. You t- I'll give you 10,000 pounds. Mate, I can't even remember what happened last week, <laughs> let alone 2008. Say Yeah. One out of 11. This is where you're going to come unstuck. Have I got to do it in 1 to 11? Yeah, yeah. That's really number two. If you get this right, I'll start to get nervous. <laughs> but I don't think you're going to get number two. Uh, who is opening? Is that a text message just coming to <laughs> Don't look at your phone. Just tell me. How long have I got? Uh, I'll give you 10 more seconds. <laughs> I'll take 10 minutes. <laughs> I'll give you three hours. Go. Eight. All right, I've edited out the three hours of silence. Who's number two? You've Raj. <laughs> see my face turn white <laughs> i don't know go on wasim jaffa wow i would not have got that in an instant how many guesses would you would i've had to give you before you I'd, got wasim jaffa i'll be honest i don't have to start putting together just first and second names <laughs> indian first and second names until i got the right combination harbajan doni <laughs> yeah <laughs> go on then get what's the rest of the team oh uh, hang on i haven't got it up now i will find it um, Wasim Jaffa. How many how many matches did he play? Well, he played a few. I think that may have been his uh, like uh, that was a sort of comeback into the team because I, I I seem to remember he played on that t- India tour of England in two thousand and two, um, and then I think yeah they brought him back and it didn't really work yeah, out. Thirty one tests he played. So it was Perth they won in in January two thousand eight. Yeah, it was Savag and Jaffa, then Dravid, Tendulkar, Ganguly, Lachman, Dhoni. Then uh, Irfan Patan, Kumble, R.P. Singh, and Ishant Sharma. Yeah. So I mean, that when you look at that, you do think the big difference really now is the bowling, as well as the fact the other big difference is that Australia are nowhere near as good uh, as they were, you know, as that team, because that Australia team in that test featured, you know, Ponting, Hussey, Clark, Gilchrist. But just looking at India in isolation, like the batting, maybe Wasim Jaffa aside, uh, is, you know, a sort of all time great lineup, Dravid, Savag, Tendulkar, Ganguly, Lachman. But the bowling is Kumble apart, nothing to write home about at all. But they, they have now got an attack for these conditions. And, it, you know, it's going to be a real handful in, in these conditions, particularly for an Australia team that are so short of, of you know, top class batsmen. Yeah, it's, it's the way that all dovetails together that's going to make it a great series, isn't it? It's, it's the fact that Australia are short at the top. India won't need that many runs. Uh, you know, as, as they sort of proved in this first match, they, you know, they're not going to need, I don't think, throughout gargantuan totals. They are the number one team in the world, of course. So th- this result shouldn't be surprising. And, and in that sense, you know, I don't blame you, Tom, for for now claiming that you were expecting this coming into it. But you know, they're, they're the number one team in the world. But that is founded almost exclusively on wins at home, or at least in the subcontinent. You know, they don't really win away from home anywhere and certainly not in Australia so they've got they've got a lot to prove here and and, it, and it's it's got off to a good start for them speaking of which you know speaking of, of having a lot to prove Chideshwar Pajara proving the doubters wrong uh, you know of 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 whom perhaps we are among is that a sentence hard to say he's certainly having a good year now he w- wasn't having a good year at the start of the year but this is the back half of the year has been outstanding and it's just it's just changing the the conversation about him a bit because you know still even after this innings he averages only 32 outside of the subcontinent i think he averages well over 60 on the subcontinent but that number 32 
is climbing. The, the the graph is going in the right direction now because he scored hundreds this year in England and now in Australia. And this really was a match-winning innings. Like this, you look at that scorecard and there's one innings that leaps out, isn't there? And, and it, it it was a, a pretty remarkable one. Um, and, and those, yeah, we always we've said it before in Test cricket when someone. Uh, you know, outscores everyone else in their team by such a degree. And and the way he did it, the way he put together the innings as well. Uh, yeah, I mean, those are the innings that you should look back most fondly on. Yeah, and I, I've been lamenting, I've been kind of boring on about, you know, the retirement of Cook and how Test Creek is changing and it's, you know, it's all crash bang wallop now and, and that there aren't, there aren't those kind of old school players who are going to knuckle down. And obviously Pajara can play all those shots and he did play a lot of those shots and, in this innings, but he is he is someone who can bed in. His 123 came from 246 pools, so it was exactly 50 his strike rate. And so you know that's that's what I want to see, Tane, isn't it? Virat Kohli didn't have an, an outstanding game with the bat. He still managed to take most of the headlines. Yeah, and he, you've mentioned Vaughan. You've mentioned Michael Vaughan's Twitter account. Um, he was tweeting about you know just singing Kohli's praises because he gave up his seat in in business class um, on the flight to Perth. So that I miss this. Yeah, I'll find the tweet, but it's just it's just one of those things. That, like, it it sounds like it actually was quite a nice gesture from Cody, but it's like the thing that we talk about all the time about how if Virat Cody butters his toast, Michael Vaughan and Shane Warner are like that is just outstanding <laughs> from yeah. Cody. I've never seen buttering like that. Yeah, uh, Vaughan tweeted on the eleventh of December. Witnessed at I'm V Cody and his wife give up their business class seats to allow the quicks more comfort and space on the trip from Adelaide to Perth. Two exclamation marks. Danger, Australia. Not only are the quicks more relaxed, the skipper is managing his troops with great human touches. I mean, a few people have pointed out, like, why weren't they all booked in business class? But I think on domestic flights in Australia, there are only a few business class seats. But it's just, it's like, well, yeah. I mean, it's not not nice to do, but I don't know. It's not like, what an outstanding leader of men. We'll come on to Cody a bit more in a moment, uh, but he's just one of those, I don't know, when, when, well, it's all celebrities, I think, reach a certain level of kind of fandom. It just gets really boring, mm. I find. Uh, yeah, the backslapping that goes on yeah. at every turn. Yeah. Maybe it's just because no one, you know, no one's tweeting about me when I'm giving up my business class seat. Yeah, to let you sit in it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Keep you relaxed and... Uh, Make sure you're more comfortable. Mm. And, well, uh, it's it's for the lawyers as well. You know, they demand a certain level of comfort. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's he's obviously, we don't need to even say this, but he's obviously a good batsman. And and I think we both felt on that England tour that he actually came across really well, certainly off the pitch. You know, he did conduct himself really well and it's very humble in defeat and that sort of thing. But it just goes a bit overboard sometimes, doesn't it? And as you say, it's it's boring more than anything but um, that being said let's talk about Cody because he d- he did uh, get some some headlines even though you know he you know didn't necessarily dominate things with the bat on this occasion uh, but he, he got some headlines because of his his sort of on-field antics his on-field demeanor the emotion that he showed on the field as as Indy were taking wickets as they were marching towards victory actually all the way through the game when whenever they were taking wickets he was just so pumped, so excited, and really, you know, really kind of visible outbursts of emotion whenever, whenever India took a wicket, pumping fists and leaping around and screaming. Um, and uh, Justin Langer, the Australian coach, came out and said that um, that if they carried on like that, they'd be the worst blokes in the world. 
saying, I think that you know, if if they behave like that, that people would accuse them of being the worst place. They you know they'd be hung out to dry. Essentially, people wouldn't like to see that coming from Australians. I don't know. What's your take on this, Tony? Do you how do you feel about Coley's kind of on field personality? Yeah, I mean, I I don't mind it so much, uh, given yeah how he has behaved, particularly in England uh, over the summer. You know, obviously they've been used to winning. You know, they won all you know all those series at home, and then you know to to be in the end well beaten in England, where kind of personal and team pride was on the line. Uh, yeah, he did carry himself really well in that and with a lot of grace. So uh, yeah, I mean, it's a bit of a funny situation. Australia obviously in such a kind of lose lose situation with this now because they're kind of been. I don't know. It it doesn't seem that difficult to me. The, the this conundrum of how Australia should play. It, 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 like it's just not that difficult to be not to be a dick but also <laughs> play hard and play really hard and want to win I, that just doesn't seem terribly hard to me no all you've got to do is play with elite honesty isn't it and that's that's simple quite it's, it's as simple as that you know and for, i suppose for cody to do that must have rubbed some people up the wrong way because yeah they're kind of in the situation where australia now they're 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 treading on eggshells they can't really show any emotion yeah, I think I I do think there is some truth in the idea that you know if if David Warner was celebrating like that, everybody would just be saying like, oh, this is it's ugly, it's it's so over the top. Whereas if uh, I don't know if Joe Root celebrates like that, it's like oh, it's just great to see the the lad. You know, he's he's so passionate about his team. Do you know what I mean? I, I don't mean necessarily Joe Root specifically, but there are some players that can get away with that, and others that can't. Um, I mean, ultimately, I think my feeling is don't we want to see emotion or shouldn't we want to see emotion as fans of this sport is it not isn't this what it's all about and and particularly in test cricket you know what it's so it is undeniably a great thing that Coley, who is by some distance the superstar of the sport at the moment it has to be a good thing for the sport that he clearly cares so much about test cricket and the contrast with ms Dhoni, who was the captain on the previous tour of australia who didn't really care about demonstrably didn't care very much about test cricket was kind of uninterested and disconnected on that tour to Coley now desperate to win this series like that has to be a good thing and so you know to to sort of criticize him for that does seem a bit off to me and and yeah as I say like as a fan of cricket shouldn't we want cricketers to get into it and uh, like uh, that is sport isn't it like you think someone like Rafa Nadal Nadal kind of leaping about and pumping his fist and shouting vamos when he you know wins a big point no like no one would be like oh he's you know, going a bit over the top there it's like this is this is the point isn't it this is what people are playing for like I, I guess it's just when 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 they play for the opposing team it can just wind you up but when they play for your team it's great you think about you know like the 2009 ashes when uh Flintoff yeah it was it was the 2009 ashes I think uh, the Lord's test when Flintoff took all those wickets and that pose he did where he kind of got down on one knee and put two arms up, you know, we were loving that. I was yeah. certainly, I was loving that. But if you're an Australian, you're probably throwing things at the TV. It's just, but that's just the nature of it, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Uh, you, you, yeah, you definitely, you know, test cricket's not going to thrive in the modern world. If, if players have to be kind of all buttoned up and, you know, when, when, and it, you know, uh, potentially game changing moment or, you know, the mm. momentum swings, towards the team one way or the other or away they just go kind of yeah well played yeah they just politely shake hands yeah but that's kind of where it's come from though isn't it this this um this discomfort with the way Cody behaves is because cricket was traditionally like that 
there is an expectation that cricket is more genteel. There's still that perception. Yes, but then again, I don't see how the two can't kind of coexist. You, mm. you can definitely show emotion and, and, and go over the top at times, but if you know, as long as you marry that with you know being kind of showing good sportsmanship at other times and and yeah and, and kind of being graceful and and modest off the pitch, uh, yeah, go for it. But one part of this is that like personally it does rub me up the wrong way. You know, if when I'm playing sport against someone who's kind of fist pumping and carrying on, you know, if I play tennis against you <laughs> and, and you win a set, which doesn't happen very often, but if you were kind of leaping about... That's why I get so excited. It would obviously piss me off. Or well, certainly when we play five-a-side football and the other team, if we've you know never met these guys before and they win a hard-fought game and are just like screaming in our faces, like that's obviously incredibly annoying. Um, so there is a part of me that when you see someone carrying on like that, there's a part of me that kind of winces. But then I suppose the the difference is that, you know, the level that I'm playing at is perhaps not quite the same as the level that Virat Kohli's playing at. You know, the stakes are maybe not quite as high. There's not as much of an emotional investment. So it's completely understandable that Kohli, when, he, when they take a big wicket, is so excited. And as I say, I think it's, it's good. It's, it's a good thing that he is. So, yeah, the series rolls on for the next test at Perth. You know, Australia are going to need to pick themselves up quickly. They'll still back themselves, I think. They've, they've still got that bowling attack. You know, I, I've talked about Hazelwood, Stark and Cummins, but actually Nathan Lyon was the best bowler in this game. Yes, it was at Adelaide, which suits the spinners a bit more. But once again, Nathan Lyon to the fore. I won't go into a discussion about, he's under, about how he's underrated because that is one of the things that in Ben Bishop's follow-up email he uh, pointed out was a conversation that we have all the time. But it's true. He is underrated. You've mentioned as well, like some outstanding fielding from Australia. It's, you know, they can take some encouragement from the fielding. Kawaja's catch. Did well, the, the Cummins run out was, yeah, you were, you were just waving at me as I said that. It was just a yeah, piece of magic, wasn't it? You, it's just so good to see those kind of run outs. Uh, what he picked up the ball one step. Well, he's jumping. He's pretty much full flight. And so difficult to whip the arm. Almost he was beyond the stumps with one to aim at and kind of whipping it back round. I mean, it's arguably one of the best runouts of all yeah. time. It was just jaw-dropping. Because it's not... You know, we see, or you, you do see, don't you, these kind of runouts from time to time. The, you know, the player coming onto the ball straight on and scooping it up and then you know, underarm throw. That's kind of more... It's a more natural action. We've seen them before where players pick it up with their right arm and then out sort of the back of the hand flick it, which is very impressive. But this, I don't know, to me almost, it's more impressive than anything. Mm. I've seen run out wise. There was a Temba Bavuma pulled off a run out in Australia when South Africa toured a couple of years ago, which was slightly similar. It was, you know, sort of mid air release. But yeah, this this is definitely up there, the Cummins one. And it was to get rid of Pajara, what was he on, 123? Yeah. So a big moment. Remarkable. So yeah, you know, things like that will lift them. Yeah, obviously the problem at the moment is in the batting, which does look pretty threadbare. Um, but yeah, I think I think they with three tests to go, they they will still be confident. They do have such a formidable record at home. Although there's got to be a question as why they arranged this first test at Adelaide. You know, it, it's such a famous thing about Australia that the first test is always at the Gabba, at the Gabbatoire, and this one was at Adelaide. There is no test at the Gabba in this series, and you know Adelaide, which does suit the spinners a bit more. It tends to be the place that. You'd think if you know if a visiting team is going to win anywhere, Adelaide is is probably their best 
chance and you know they've sort of given in India a, a leg up in in that way well we're going to talk about another series in a moment but yeah again good to see the away side uh, winning a test match yeah it's 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 a really striking thing about the last few months that suddenly teams are winning away from home which they haven't at all really for the last few years but yeah England winning 3-0 in Sri Lanka we're just about to talk about New Zealand winning in Pakistan and yeah now India 1-0 up in Australia it's uh, the times they are a changing and one final thing to say is that um Whatever happens, it should at least mean that the Boxing Day test will be a good one this year. It's going to be live. Even if India win in Perth, the Boxing Day test will be a live test match, which um, you know they're going to be pleased about because it's not always the case, <laughs> certainly when it comes to the Ashes. That's, yeah. You cut that. <laughs> Me just go, yeah. I'll probably leave it in. Yeah. Leave it all in. Go for it, mate. <laughs> Go for it, mate. Well, let's leave Australia, Tone, and journey in our minds to the Arabian Peninsula, where Pakistan's quote-unquote home test series against New Zealand came to an end in Abu Dhabi this week. On the last show, we talked about uh, the first test of that series, which uh, New Zealand won in very remarkable circumstances. Pakistan bounced back like Alan Partridge and won the second test reasonably comfortably so the third test was a decider back in Abu Dhabi New Zealand batted first they made 274 with Kane Williamson 89 Pakistan went past that they racked up 348 with centuries from Azhar Ali and Asad Shafiq New Zealand were then in big trouble at 60 for four uh, still behind Pakistan at that stage but there was then a quite astonishing partnership between Williamson who made 139 and Henry Nichols who finished not out on 126. Um, so partnership of 212. So New Zealand eventually declared on 353 for seven on the final day to set Pakistan a target of 280 runs. And although, as I say, there was less than a day to go, so Pakistan would have been confident of at least a draw, New Zealand ran through them. Will Somerville on debut uh, with three for 52 and three wickets also for Tim Southey and Ajaz Patel as Pakistan folded for 156 to give New Zealand the win by 123 runs, wrapping up the series 2-1. So that's New Zealand's first series win away from home against Pakistan since the 1960s. That was New Zealand's first ever Test Series win. And apart from in Bangladesh, they haven't won anywhere in Asia since 1984. So this was a quite a surprising result, you have to say, Ten. Or are you now going to sit here and tell me that you... <laughs> You know, that had I asked you, you would have predicted this. It's a real shame we didn't record before this <laughs> test match, Adam, I have to say. I've got the notes. I can show you. Yeah, but the, the date on that. Well, no, I've just added to it. I'm just... <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to... In future, I'm going to make you write your notes and include a picture of you holding up today's newspaper. Yeah, I think it's the only way to do it. Yeah. Uh, no, I didn't predict this. I mean, yeah, yeah. on the last pod, we talked about that uh, that first test and the remarkable finish there. But I think, you know, Pakistan, once they'd won the second test, you'd have put, all your, your, you'd have put your house on them, mm. closing uh, the series out with a win. So yeah, incredible stuff. Well, I mean, they just don't lose in the UAE, really, do they? Well, they, they didn't lose last year to Sri Lanka. That yeah. was their first ever defeat. Before that, it was an absolute fortress for them. And as, yeah, aside from that Sri Lanka defeat, they've never lost. No non-Asian side has ever won here. Most of them get an absolute tonking. You know, obviously recently Australia put up a, a fight, put up a memorable fight, but in the end succumbed rather inevitably. It's just, it's an incredibly hard place to go. It's maybe the hardest or certainly one of the hardest places 
to go in the world at the moment because it's not just the pitches and the sort of unfamiliarity of the whole thing and the heat. It's the fact that there's no fans in the stadiums and it's just this really kind of weird atmosphere which Pakistan are now used to, but the touring teams are not. And also, you know, for New Zealand, not only have they defeated the conditions, but they've defeated Pakistan's side, which I think we probably felt was on the up. You know, we saw the way they, they played in England earlier this year where they, they, they won that first test. And there seemed to be a lot of excitement around this team, you know, and around some of the new faces in the team, Mohammed Abbas, etc. So, yeah, I mean, this is a this is a monumental achievement for the Kiwis. And it, it's, it's hard to think of too many, if any, victories that, that come close to it, in certainly in the last couple of decades, but possibly ever. For them. for them yeah for them yeah for New Zealand yeah I mean yeah particularly after they got absolutely savaged by Yazir Shah you know that kind of stuff gets that gets in your head doesn't it yeah in the second test yeah yeah you know Pakistan carried a lead uh into the second innings and you know we talk about Kohli but Williamson isn't far behind really mm, is he mm. and and for whatever reason that that Kohli kind of Cody's kind of character gets called into question. Everyone's united in agreement that of just love for Kane Williamson. Mm. And I think it's partly because it's just New Zealand are such a likable bunch, aren't they? But I mean, he, yeah, he, he just sort of seems to get better and better. And that, you know, it's a phenomenal thing to pull off uh, to, to uh, uh, Nichols as well. But yeah, for Williamson, basically what I'm trying to say is not too far off Coley. I don't think. Well, that well that is a question I've got here. It's important that you mention Nichols because he, he has been overshadowed a bit, but that, by Williamson because I suppose partly because of the superstar thing also because Nichols was you know the the, the second centurion but th- that innings was almost as important as Williams as Williamson's but yeah that is a, a question I have written down in my notes here Tony is if Williamson played for India would he be rated as highly as Cody is it simply that he doesn't play for one of the big three teams and therefore doesn't play as much test cricket perhaps as well if he was Indian or if he was English or Australian, would we consider him in even more glowing terms than, than we do? Uh, potentially. I mean, uh, he has been in the conversation for a good number of years now, hasn't he? He's been widely considered as, as you know, in that top kind of four or five. Well, for a while it was Coley, Williamson, Root and Smith. Not in any order. <laughs> Not necessarily in that order. So, yeah, uh, but you're right. He would He would be talked about he's perhaps always been the sort of the the third or fourth kind of most talked about of those four uh but he, he just doesn't really seem to have a he never has a long dry spell does he he's he kind of regularly chips in with with big serious scores actually you go back through his career the the next hundred is never that far away he's maybe not quite streaky as certainly joe root has been or uh what do you mean streaky? As in, like, just you know, the the the, the hundreds aren't kind of bunched together. He isn't well. He's had a very good year. He had a very good uh, series against South Africa, didn't he? But yeah, his consistency is is extremely impressive. And and you know, now he's into his peak. You know, it's a, exciting to see what he produces over the next kind of four or five years. He's a, he's a great batsman to watch as well. And certainly, this innings was just a, it was an absolute lesson in footwork in moving his feet to the spinners and and. Some outrageous cover drives should have been illegal. Some of them. It was uh, unbelievable. And you know, as you say, when Yazir Shah had run through them so spectacularly in the second test, for Williamson to kind of stand up and you know and lead the lead the way in 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 the manner that he did, yeah, it, it was just an extraordinary innings, a series winning knock. And and you know, I think well, this gets bandied around a lot, but it has to go down as one of 
the all-time great innings in a list that's, you know... Thousands of innings <laughs> long. Thousands long. But cer- again, certainly in a New Zealand context, must be one of their greatest ever innings. Uh, it always feels a bit funny saying that about test matches in the UAE because mm. it is this weird atmosphere where there's no one watching and it feels somehow like the sting is taken out of some of this stuff. But but you know, leaving that aside, it, I th- I th- it's it's just, it's such an extraordinary achievement for New Zealand to win there and Williamson. It was just such an amazing. It was a good innings, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, and, you know, we mentioned it before, but overall, a, a, a just a really interesting series from kind of start to finish, from from the finale in the first test to Yasir Shah's remarkable performance in the second to this. Yeah, it was a uh, yeah, lots to talk about. We're just lucky we've got a podcast about this. <laughs> That's a good point. Well, yeah, one one thing to talk about, perhaps Will Somerville into the New Zealand side on debut returned the best ever figures by a New Zealand bowler on debut with, with seven wickets across the match. And his is another unusual story time. We talked about Ajaz Patel last time. Somerville spent most of his life in Australia, born in New Zealand, spent most of his life in Australia. He's now 34 years old. He only turned pro five years ago and only, I think, two years ago moved back to New Zealand from Australia um, to take up a contract with Auckland is now been kind of fast-tracked into the New Zealand team and at 34 years old uh, comes in and, you know, produces a sort of match-winning, series-winning spell, which is, you know, which is amazing. And, you know, how long a career he's going to have, whether New Zealand will need to play two spinners uh, going forward seems unlikely. So, you know, it's possible he's, he'll even be a one-test wonder, but he'll never forget it. And, you know, I'm sure New Zealand fans will never forget his contribution either. Um, as you say, Tony, a likeable bunch. It's hard not to warm to this New Zealand team. Well, to any New Zealand team, really, but it's just great stories wherever you look. For Pakistan, I mean, you talked about Yazir Shah. A note I've got here is Yazir Shah is a good bowler. 29 wickets in this series, which is just incredible. I mean, that would be a good haul. That would be a very good haul in a five-test series. So to do it in three tests, more than 50% of all the wickets Pakistan took fell to Yazir Shah. And yeah, breaking that record, the fastest to 200 test wickets, which is a record that stood since 1936, previously held by Clary Grimmett. And Yazir Shah's broken that by three matches. Uh, he's only ninth in the uh, test rankings. Well, he was injured for a while, wasn't he? He, true. he didn't come to England, so he probably fell a bit because of that. But yeah, I suppose, yeah, it does seem odd that someone on that kind of streak over the last few years is, is down at number nine. Because of him and, you know, Mohamed Abbas, who everyone's getting really excited about, it, it, in some ways it's difficult to make sense of this Pakistan side because, you know, there's clearly the makings of an excellent team in there, but they do keep having hiccups like this. They've actually now, having said you, the, the Emirates is such a fortress for them, they've now lost four of their last seven tests there. That's since the retirements of Mizbar and Yunus, so that's perhaps at least partly at the root of it. But they will be a bit concerned by the fact that they're having these, suffering these sorts of results because you know you feel like they should be better yeah you know on paper as well Sri Lanka and New Zealand at home two series that have been eyeing up and thinking maybe not quite cannon fodder but you know they would have been thinking here we go Mm. let's get into this (laughs) 
Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. We haven't done one of these tones since England wrapped up a, a 3-0 whitewash in Sri Lanka. And that was ages ago now, so we don't need to go back through the final game of the series. Suffice to say that, that Johnny Bairstow scored 100, recalled to the side at number three, and, and the spinners took wickets. Um, so, you know, obviously that was a massive achievement, a series whitewash away from home, which is another thing that hasn't happened uh, in Test cricket since the 1960s. England, that was the last time England pulled off a whitewash away from home uh, in a series of three tests or more. That was before the Beatles' first number one was the last time England did that. I think we'll probably both agree that in some ways that scoreline flatters England, you know, the f- not least because they won all three tosses and actually they won all five tosses against India. They won eight tosses in a row and won seven of, of those games. Do you want to talk about the, the toss? Tell I, I sent this question to you. Just pull back the curtain a little bit in our, uh, in our planning, our pre-show planning, which consists of a couple of very brief Facebook messages. Um, I sent you this question because my brother had an idea which he uh, w- which he raised with me. Instead of having a toss of a coin, that you at the start of a series you toss the coin once, and whoever wins the toss chooses whether to battle bowl. And then after that, going for the rest of the series, it just alternates. So in this series, England would have had the choice in the first test and the third test, but Sri Lanka would have at least have had the choice in the second test. What do you think about that idea, Tim? I don't think it's a bad idea at all. Yeah. Bear in mind my brother's listening. So, <laughs> Yeah, it's good. Really good idea. I mean, it is a nice ritual, isn't it? Uh, it'd be a shame to not have the toss and just have one at the start of the series and not have it at the start of every match because then, you know, when are, when are the captains going to tell us the team changes and, and whatnot? Uh, <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah, so I don't think my brother thought about that. They'd have to do something ceremonial out in the middle. Maybe a, a shot of something or <laughs> yeah. a little dram of, of something just to kick off. A or tr- A wee dram of uh, whiskey. Winning seven, eight tosses in a row, do you say? Mm. Yeah, winning eight tosses in a row. I mean, like, that's just an anom- anomaly, isn't it? I mean, it, it surely won't continue unless Joe Root's got some sort of double-headed coin. It's probably a bit drastic to, to change the course of cricket history on the basis of that, but... That's true. There is there's intrigue in that. I mean, if you I suppose if you knew from the first test to the fifth what was going to happen or you know who was going to be doing what in a five test series, you know there'd be enough time then for a home uh, home groundsman to to alter the pitch in, in certain ways. So mm, that is a good point. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that is that is a very uh, a very good point you make, Tony. It, it it's just it's hard to come up with a 
a solution, isn't it? Obviously, the the toss has been taken out of county cricket, hasn't mm. it? Yeah, I like it. It's obviously it's part of, of cricketing tradition, cricketing history as well. And you're absolutely right to say that it, this clearly is a bit of an anomaly. I suppose the point is that you know the argument is these things even out. You know, you you win the toss a couple of times, but then in another couple of tests you'll lose a toss. But the, the point is that they probably do even out in the grand scheme of things, in a kind of cosmic sense, they will even out, but not necessarily for the two teams playing this. Like, it didn't even out for India this summer, did it? It might be that Joe Root loses five tosses in a row now, but that will be against West Indies and Australia. Yeah, true. It doesn't benefit India. And we're not kind of giving a solution to the fact that the team that wins the toss the inherent advantage from that I mean that is cricket I suppose though isn't it that's that's the challenge that teams kind of are up against it is but I suppose you know if you take a step back we're we're obviously so used to the idea that a cricket match starts with a toss but if you take a step back it it does seem strange to kind of create a sport where quite literally the flip of the coin is so important it's not like in football where you just toss the coin at the start and it's just like a that is more of a ritual thing. You know, the teams choose which end. It might have a a slight, you know, it might play a slight kind of role or have factor in a little bit to the outcome and you choose whether whether you want to attack your the goal with the, the, your fans are behind in the first half or the second half, that kind of thing. But ultimately, it doesn't really matter. But in cricket, it really does matter. In some matches more than others, depending on the pitch. But I, I don't think you could argue that England didn't massively benefit from batting first in these three Sri Lanka matches. And if they'd lost the toss in all three games, it would have been a very different series. Yeah, I mean, maybe then you have to divide innings up into kind of three wicket innings, into three wicket portions. So, you know, you win the toss, your team goes out, I take three wickets, then I go in and bat. Right. And then so there's, there's actually... Starts to get three complicated, nine innings, it? whatever it is. How many? Like, <laughs> no, 12 innings. That's like baseball then, isn't it? Yeah, true. Uh, starts to get quite complicated. I don't know. I, you know, I'm not not necessarily saying we should, you know, throw out the whole the whole the entirety of, of cricketing history um, on the basis of yeah, as you say, what is undoubtedly an anomaly with with what's happened with Joe Root. But yeah, it's something to think about, isn't it? And I feel like it's something we've not talked about on the show before, which is all that matters at this point. It's been an eventful year for England, a mixed bag of a year, I think you you could say. 2019 is going to be a massive year for them uh, with both a World Cup and an Ashes uh, without launching into a big conversation about it because we'll probably do, uh, you know, we'll probably talk about it in a bit more It'll depth closer, closer to the time. But are you, at this point, are you are you feeling optimistic about those two things, World Cup and Ashes next year? Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, why not? You still feel that England will do something not there's something will happen that England don't win the World Cup yeah I mean that's as, as good as England have been I'm excited about it certainly I'm excited to see uh, and the, the way it's the way the format works as well England will get to the the latter stages hmm. uh, or to get to the business end of things so they'll be in a position certainly to win it whether they will I don't you know who knows but uh, the Ashes as well you'd think England will uh, will not just edge it but when relatively comfortably at this point, I d- do I think that actually? I don't know. I don't know what I think, to be fair. It's too far out. It kind of, yeah. We've we got get- to see what happens to Australia and also the question marks running and just like, you know, we've we just won in Sri Lanka, but, w- you know, would that team beat 
an Australia team with Warner and Smith back in in England next summer. Who knows? Well, it won't be that team, will it? They're obviously true, not going to play true. three spinners, but uh, like, but that sh- batting lineup then? Yeah, the batting lineup. I mean, the 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 Sri Lanka series has kind of moved the dial a little bit for me because I, even though they beat India four one, I wasn't hugely impressed by England's performance in that series, and I didn't really feel like they'd made much progress. Whereas after this series, I do feel like they've made some progress. You know, if only in their kind of attitude to selection, that sort of thing. The fact that they were that they did play three spinners, that they were prepared to leave out one of Anderson abroad, like make difficult decisions based on what they felt was the right thing to do to win the game and win the series. So while, yeah, this these 11 players may well never play together again, there's lots of encouragement about the direction of travel now in a way that, that wasn't necessarily before. And, you know, the addition of someone like Ben Folkes and Sam Curran as well, that feel like big steps on the road to wherever it is they're trying to go. Um <laughs> But, you know, yeah, there's lots of issues that remain and it's not all been solved by any means. And, and yeah, this, this 3-0 re- result does perhaps flatter them in some ways, not least because of, of the fact they won all three tosses. And it's the batting lineup, as you say, that is the the concern. And, and just you, you, at some point you feel like England are going to have to decide, are going to have to make hard decisions about which all-rounders they want because surely they can't all play all the time. I mean, some people would say... Well, some people are saying that they can all play, that you just find a way, that mowing bats at three and it's just all rounders all the way down. This is great. This is a great thing because England have so many options. But I don't know. I mean, it is good. It's not not a good thing that England have all those options, but options isn't, you know, options doth not necessarily make a great cricket or is not, not necessarily the only thing that makes a great cricket team. I mean, you think about that great Australian side, the Steve War, Ricky Ponting team, certainly the Ricky Ponting team of the early noughties, you know, they just had batsmen one to six, a wicketkeeper and four bowlers. And that's no bloody good with it. Yeah. Then fine. So yes, one of those bowlers was Shane Warne, but you know what I mean? Like it, it, you don't have to have eight all rounders. It doesn't necessarily mean anything. It's just like, ultimately they've got to be good enough as both batsmen and bowlers. And that's kind of what worries me a bit is would some of these players play just as a batsman or just as a bowler? Maybe not. When you're uh, when you're lying awake on Christmas Eve, it won't be because you're excited about Christmas Day, or because you're you're still thinking about England's batting lineup for <laughs> yeah. 2019. But anyway, that that apart, I'm much more cheerful this winter than I was last winter. That's <laughs> noticeable as well <laughs> about the England cricket team, I should say. Um, but yeah, and as you say, g- generally in Test cricket, teams seem to be winning away from home again, which is great. So I'm I'm happy. I'm a happy bunny this Christmas. Will you be so happy when Australia win four one next summer? <laughs> Possibly not. Is this the moment, Tone, for your observational comedy about uh, the T10 league? I hate the way you've, you've built this up into a comedy. <laughs> it certainly is not that. Well, it's just you described it. You, well, what you said to me was, I've got some observations about the T10 league. So. <laughs> I'm fascinated to hear what they are. No, yeah, no comedic observation. Can you take me through the T10 league? Like, set the scene a bit, paint a picture for me. What is the T10 league? For hear me typing. Uh, Still on. looking up Wasim Jaffa. The the T10 league, if you haven't seen it, uh, is held in the UAE. Uh, it was the second year of the tournament this year, and I think it only lasts about six days or five days. But it was interesting, obviously. You know, when, when it was held last year you know i'm sure a few eyebrows were raised and understandably you know it's a 
the con the idea really of, of a, a 10 over cricket match is nonsense quite frankly but actually I, I kind of feel like it's just just reading a little bit about it and hearing some people speak about kind of how it was played out and the way it's kind of been perceived uh i kind of think there might actually be a place for it in in international cricket and potentially for me you know think about it that would be a way a much better option uh to get cricket onto primetime tv in in england would be to have a a five or six day t10 league and have some proper cricket on tv as well but you know get rid of this nonsense 100 tournament that we've all prejudged which might turn out to be brilliant you know disclaimer it was a bad choice of name for them as well wasn't it the nonsense hundred tournament <laughs> yeah exactly but yeah you know potentially it, you know obviously you've got crash bang wallop tattooed on your arm but uh you know you don't want to see that there was there were some absurd scores weren't there like uh, uh you know mohammed mohammed shazad i think maybe even in the first match of the tournament hit 74 off 16 balls as uh the rajputs chased down cindy's 94 which they scored in 10 overs, 94 for six. They chased it down after four overs. Right. 94 in 10 overs doesn't seem like that good a score. No. So there were some absurd things. Alex Hales also uh, hit a massive score. You know, there's some proper cricketers in there. You know, no surprise they're being paid. So, you know, obviously like Jason Roy was there, Brennan McCullum, Rashid Khan, Andre Fletcher. Anyway, you get the idea. But yeah, I don't know. I just... and. You know, after in this being the second year of the tournament, from from what I, I gather, you know, organisers didn't go over the top. They didn't go like, oh, you know, well, last year was quite good. Let's let's triple it in length and and do all this kind of stuff. They basically kept it to a really small tournament. You know, obviously, it hasn't been. It was the first sanctioned T10 tournament in the world. No one's tried to repeat it this year, so there's obviously not a huge amount of desire to, to do it. But yeah, I just thought it was interesting. Not that I watched any of it. <laughs> I, must, I must admit uh but it yeah. sounded like you know they, they got really big crowds there for that and you know you, you look at the, the the cricket that's been played to almost no one in that test series we were just talking about you can't be too snobby about these things can you if that's what people want to see yeah it, it, it definitely means something doesn't it yeah i mean as we've talked about before it doesn't mean everything because although people weren't in the ground to watch those test matches there were millions of people watching or at least taking an interest around the world whereas there may not have been millions watching or taking an interest in the T10 league. But if it's something that people actually want to go out of their homes to go and watch like that, that does mean something. Yeah, I mean, it might surprise you to hear that I'm not necessarily as kind of closed to that idea as you might think. I would rather see that than the 100. If 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 the bottom line is that terrestrial broadcasters will not take a 20-over competition because it's too long I, saying, I think these these matches all finish i think in an hour and a half right yeah i mean then uh, yeah I, w- I would rather see that than the hundred where you're actually starting to mess about with the kind of basic tenets of the game i mean, I mean it, was, it wouldn't be my first choice but i i can understand that you know people have said this might be the the vehicle to get cricket into the olympics as well and that i've always thought is is an important thing for the, the sports future so yeah, I'm I'm open to the idea. I mean, personally, it doesn't excite me that much. It just it feels too short to to get kind of involved in. And also, I think this would be messing around with the tenets of the game. So I'm not advocating this, but it just feels like ten wickets in ten overs is too many wickets. It does just allow batsmen to to tee off because there is almost no consequences. It's almost like pairs cricket, you know, where you just lose five runs if you're out and you keep batting. I mean, it's that kind of thing where there's no point in not trying to hit a six every ball 
that that then loses a lot of interest for me because it's supposed to be a contest between bat and ball, not between bat and bat. But as he said, like clearly this is something that people want to see. Yeah, I'm not I'm not necessarily against it. Oh, happy Christmas. <laughs> it's Christmas time and there's no need to be afraid. Now it's your line. Oh, don't. No. No, you don't want to do no, that. No, I don't want to do it. All right, Sir Elton, your line. <laughs> You've always said that these he- with these headphones on, it kind of feels it like does. we're doing Band-Aid. Yeah. At Certainly Christmas as soon as you put like, both hands to them. You've been doing the whole podcast like that. We let him light and we banish shade. Well, yeah, we only get one line each, Tone. You need to sing that line. There's so many egos in here that we've all been given a line. You've got a line. I've got a line. Elton's got a line. Uh, Gower's got a line. I'll donate my line to Vaughny. Did you watch that video, this video that's doing the rounds? Game Jam on Twitter <laughs> singing that song. Do they know it's Christmas, but replacing all the words with the names of footballers. It's impressive. It starts, Dick's Frimpong Klein. It is very impressive. I was wondering if we ought to do a, a cricket version. Maybe for next year. Do you think we could get that off the ground? I mean, it's it's hard enough selling this podcast to my girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> As it is. <laughs> but, but like... I'd, it might jeopardise my relationship <laughs> if, I, if we did that. But hey, yeah, you know, if that means a couple of million views on on Twitter, then f- it. <laughs> see ya. Yeah, like, oh, Tony, yeah. what are you, what are you up to? Yeah, do you want to go to the garden centre? Yeah. Like, no, I can't. Got to find a cricketer who rhymes with something. Rhymes with clanging. <laughs> the clanging chimes of doom. Um, my favourite bit of that football video is is in the well tonight. Thank God it's them. Where he goes, Edekaru. Uh So we need. I, I think if we can at least think of some names for that, I thought maybe Boye Bishu. Does that work? So we've got two of the names, Tane. Here we go. So we are. We're cooking. We are flying here. Boye. Yeah, Nicky Boye. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Boye. Oh yeah. Boye. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if it's Bo. It might be Bo Ye. I think, yeah. But don't let that stop us. Don't let facts get in the way <laughs> of Twitter views. We would it's never always do that. been my philosophy. We would never do that. Oh, I've got something for you. Oh, quite literally. Oh wow! Come on, mate. A Christmas cracker. Is it? Is it cricket themed? Uh, no. That would have been. Are we pulling it? Yeah. Here you go. Ready. I won. Oh. I won. I've got another one here, so I'll probably win again, but I'll let you have yeah. it. You've, you've, I'll, tr- I'll try and weaken my arm a bit. I'll say, for people who, who weren't uh, watching, <laughs> or for everyone listening, uh, Adam, you know how you actually traditionally hold a cracker where one person holds each end? Adam's actually holding my end as well. <laughs> oh, get in. He got it. Why? Well, I kind of, yeah, I let you have yeah, that tell, one. Tell yourself that. Oh, I've got a. What have you got in there, Tim? Uh, I've got a spring. A spring keyring. Oh no, it's one of those puzzles. That's what it is. Oh, uh, where? Yeah. How would you describe that? It's a. It's like a spring with a ring that you have to get off. Do you know the trick to those? Uh, yes. I know. I know. I know it. I know how to do it. You won't be able to pull the wool over my eyes, Tone. What have I got? Go on, what do you get? Oh, I got a little padlock with keys, but I don't really understand. That's another trick, is it? Is it? Where's it? Like, it's a little padlock, but it doesn't seem to actually open anything. It's a little padlock. (laughs) 
I've got a little padlock in my Christmas cracker. Let me see if I can get the key off. Right, there we go. Uh, ah, yeah, it's a little padlock, Tane. Oh, perfect. Just what you wanted. <laughs> Look at that. You can lock your bike up with it. <laughs> the tiny bike. It would have to be the smallest bike in the world. It's a borrower's bike. Well, there you go. That'll be uh, going in the bin, probably. But <laughs> yes, <laughs> always nice to get yeah. presents. And we've got uh, hats as well, but I can't get it over my headphones. No, that's going to be difficult. Do you get a joke? I've got a joke. You've always got a joke. Who is the saint remembered on the 26th of December? St. Stephen. Oh, no, that's the trivia. <laughs> I was going to say Frank Bruno. I thought it was like a boxing day <laughs> gag. What have you got? Uh, what do you get if you eat Christmas decorations? Tinselitis. But, yeah. It's quite a cool hat, though. They're luxury Christmas crackers, these ones. It's one of those things where I picked up the box of crackers and I was like, I can't see a price. Ah, oh, how much could it be? Took it to the till, £10. <laughs> £10. £10 for a, a slightly dodgy outro to the World Creek Show Christmas <laughs> special. Worth every penny. It's worth every penny. You know, It's priceless. <laughs> the sponsors are going to be thrilled uh, when they find out where the money's going. It's not all going on my lawyers. It's also going on Christmas crackers. Have you enjoyed this then, Tone? Another yeah, Christmas special good. in the bag? Well... There's a little bit of a bonus. I don't know. Are we mentioning this? Uh, we yeah. won't, we don't have to say what it is, but all we'll say is uh, set aside some time on Christmas Day. There's going to be a bonus episode yeah. uh, delivered in your stocking on Christmas Day. Yeah. Refresh your podcast player on Christmas morning. Um, but yeah, another Christmas special done. Do you, do you feel it was sufficiently different this year? We, did we do all the same material again? I hope not. I hope not. I, no, I think I, we did okay. I, I am guilty of that. Like it, it did make me laugh that email from from Ben Bishop saying that we uh, do the same things all the time. He so yeah, I I hinted at this. I, I replied to him and said that it made us laugh. Him saying that thing about you know how we always talk about how we should have gone out for the cricket. He gave us some other suggestions for things we could talk about, such as scheduling a quick discussion of whether a batsman who probably became the first person to score a hundred fewer runs in both innings of a corresponding test on a tour is actually any good. Maybe a detour to ask if Nathan Lyon is still underrated. A few jokes about how many nut roasts you've had. Have you had any nut roasts yet? Uh, I haven't, but I've got one in the freezer ready for Christmas Day. Perfect. I'm definitely guilty of just making the same jokes all the time on the podcast, so I do apologise for that. Some listeners will know we do another podcast about tennis, and uh, you'll remember that the problem with that is that we do them so far apart, so sporadically... (laughs) Uh, but we did one a couple of years ago where I cracked some joke at the beginning about how the last time we'd done an episode was when uh, we'd been talking about a Grand Slam final between Sam Pras and Lendl. Then I listened back to a previous one just to check what we'd talked about and I'd made exactly the same joke in the intro to that. <laughs> and when I made it for the second time, I was just so pleased with myself. It's like, oh, this is a great joke. Did that thing where I kind of stick my tongue into my bottom lip. Like, that. Yeah, and <laughs> a good joke. You know. Um, made it before um, alright well I think that pretty much brings us to the end we've gone super long time but you know it is Christmas as always bumper Christmas special uh, we'll be back in the new year to look ahead to England's tour of the Caribbean and, and look back on uh, what's been happening in that Australia-India series but between now and then if you enjoy the World Cricket Show get more involved on social media we're on Facebook at facebook.com slash cricket show we're on Twitter at cricket show we're on Instagram at world cricket show if you want to be like Ben and send us an email you can do that at worldcricketshow at gmail.com 
www.thepodcastpodcast.com. And if you'd like to support the show, a couple of ways you can do that. One is just to leave us a rating or a review on iTunes or your podcast platform of choice. And the other way is the fiducial way uh, is to support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash cricket show. And a big thank you to all of our patrons, patrons who uh, help to keep us in business. But that's about it, I think. Merry Christmas, Tone. And Merry Christmas to you. Have a good one. I'll see you in the new year. Well, I'll probably see you before that. See you at the weekend. Mm. Have you got your Christmas jumper? We're having a, a Christmas do, not a World Cricket Show Christmas do, a boys' Christmas lunch. Yeah. Uh, well, I think Christmas jumpers are mandatory. Well, they have been for about 20 years. I don't know. No, I don't, you I don't, don't have, have one, really. No, you I've worn the same one for like the last four years. And So I'm super Christmas. I've got this Christmas jumper on with the polar bear wearing a Christmas jumper. You're wearing a T-shirt and boxer shorts. <laughs> Pajamas, leisure wear, lounge wear, <laughs> to give it its correct title. Not really in the spirit of things. Yeah. I got the hat now, so. You've got to get a Christmas jumper, mate. I'll lend you one. I I've thought got Christmas jumpers is like a jump the shark. I <laughs> thought it was they're over. All right. Stay in school, everyone. Have a great Christmas. Enjoy the cricket, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye bye for now. Cheery. Can smell your fear. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.